This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Those of you that are here with us today in church, welcome. For those of you that are just joining us online, welcome to our 8.30 service. And uh, Pastor Tom has been uh, ministering on sanctification. We're going to carry on on that vein uh, today. But we are going to pause an interesting question with that regard. So the title this morning uh, of, of our message is, Is There a Priest in the House? Turn to your neighbor and say, Is There a Priest in the House? Now I want you to open your Bibles, your real Bibles, to Romans 6. We're going to go through uh, quite a long passage of Scripture. So I'm going to ask you, uh, to uh, take note of this scripture. Go home. The, the Berean church took what was ministered and they went, uh, what, took what was ministered and went and studied the scriptures in their own time to see whether what was ministered aligned with the word so, and, and studied the word for themselves. So I want to encourage you to do that uh, this morning and after this service to go ahead and study the scriptures uh, for yourself. So, Here's what um, the scriptures say. Have you gotten to, have you found your scripture yet? If you could put that scripture up. It says, this is Paul writing to the Roman church. He says, what then shall we say? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to die to sin, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death, therefore you were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. So if we have been united together <clears throat> in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also shall be <clears throat> in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Hallelujah. We are no longer slaves to sin. For he who died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we also will live with him. <clears throat> knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, say likewise. likewise. You also reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin. You and I are dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, but you, you should obey, that you should obey its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Other versions say we do not yield our, our members as instruments of unrighteousness. To sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead 
and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall sin, what then shall we say? Shall, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourself? Other versions say to whom you yield yourselves to, your slave to obey. Wow, think about that. Whom you yield yourselves to, your slaves to obey. You are not the one, uh, you are not the one slave whom you obey. Whether to sin leading unto death or of obedience leading unto righteous living. But God be thanked that through you, but God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from the heart and, and that form of doctrine from which you are delivered. And having been free from sin, you have become slaves unto righteousness. Having been free from sin, you've become slaves unto righteousness. Now, many of us abuse the grace of God. We use the grace of God, Pastor Tom told us this last year, as a license to sin. And yet the Bible here is clearly telling us that the grace of God is to deliver us from the bondage of sin into righteousness. We are no longer slaves to sin. But we're now slaves unto God and whom we yield ourselves to, we obey. So if we yield ourselves to the father of lies, we'll obey the father of lies and sin which leads unto death. But if we yield ourselves unto a God, we obey God, which leads to righteousness and life. So to properly understand this and have context of it, we must do two things. First, let's go back to the beginning and see where the problem began. Because the Bible says that God created the earth. When he created the earth, he wanted to extend his rule. Now you must understand, in the beginning God ruled, rules heaven and earth. But when he, his spirit hovers over the earth and it's dark form, without form, and, uh, dark void and without form, he says this is not good and he speaks his light and he begins to create an ecosystem. Then he says in Genesis 1 verse 26, put that up. He says, now let us create man in our own image and in our own likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every th living thing that lives. So right then, then God chose to give his authority to exercise dominion on the earth to you and I, to man. He chose to do that. In chapter 2, we then go and discover where he then forms man out of the dust. And then the Bible says that 
he breathed his life into man and man became a living being. Now, let me explain something. First, God created the ecosystem that man needed to live before he created man. Everything that man needed to live and sustain him, he created before. Then he formed man. But man was not a living being. Even though the ecosystem was there, that would make him live. He was not a living being until the breath of God was breathed into him. Now, he had everything he needed to live. What is this life that made him a living being after the breath of God? That is the zoe, the God kind of life. That separates man from every living thing or any other species that God created. Because any other species that God created lives off the ecosystem, lives off oxygen. But man was created to live off the Spirit of God. The breath of God. So he became a living being. Not but living after the God kind of life by the Spirit of God in him. That's what gave man image and likeness to God. That's what gave man the authority to have dominion like God has dominion. That what, that's what gave man the license to exercise on behalf of God his will and purposes here on earth and have dominion. So in chapter 3, when man has an encounter with Satan, Eve gets deceived. The one who'd been given the instruction by God was Adam. That, listen, I've given you my kind of life. Yes, from my ecosystem, you get oxygen, you breathe, you live. But to live and the dominion kind of life, the kingdom kind of life, you need my spirit. Now, out of any tree in the garden you can eat, but of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. What's that death? What's that death? It is the death of the God kind of life. So man, when man willfully disobeyed God, committed high treason, by eating of the knowledge, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He ceded, he, 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 ceased, he ceased to live the life that would give him dominion and the mandate God give, had given him on earth because he was separated from God. His spirit man, dead. The thing that would make him a living being. The thing that separated him from any other species here on earth. The God kind of life was separate from him. You see, in the God kind of life, he was not led by the flesh. He was not led by what he felt. He was not led by what he thought. He was not led by his senses. So it was inconsequential, the nakedness of his flesh. But when you are separated from God because of sin, all of a sudden, he could see the nakedness of his flesh because the God kind of life was separate from him. What covered him? He was now led of a different nature. Wow. 
He was led of sin nature, born out of the father of lies. Does that make sense? So man ceded his dominion through Adam. The dominion we're supposed to have on earth, we ceded it to the devil. That's why he's the God of this world. Does that make sense? I need you to get that because it's, it's very, very important. So from that point on, God has a relationship with man that is working towards the redemption of man to restore him to his place of dominion. So as Pastor Bonnie taught us a few weeks ago, we see the institution of types, patterns in the Old Testament. All those patterns in the Old Testament are types and shadows that are pointing to the real thing, redemption through Christ, that would restore us back to the place where we have the God kind of life, where we're united with God, where we can have dominion that we had with God. All those things, all the things we read in the Old Testament are pointing us to that. They're a shadow of the God kind of life, the redemption that God would like us to have. I want to give you a picture of this. So, at a certain point in the day, my, li- my wife likes to sit in the garden. She has a special seat. As the sun's going down, she has a special seat in the garden. Now, I get home one day, and, you know, I have to go around the corner to get to the garden. Now, as I'm going around the corner, you know, because of the angle of the sun, I see my wife's shadow of the place where she's sitting. Now, I run over to the shadow and I kiss it and I hug it. And I say, oh, love, I'm so grateful. I'm so happy to be home, to be with you. Do I do that? No. The shadow is evidence that the real thing is there. So the shadow, the experiences that we read about in the Old Covenant, the law points us to grace and life in the Spirit through Christ. It points us to the real thing. I, I, I must go round the corner, past the shadow, to the real thing. And the kiss from the real thing is far better than the shadow. So there are patterns, shadows in the Old Testament that point us to the real thing. And as you heard from Pastor Bonnie, in Hebrews 8, the Bible says when Moses was instructed, he says, see, he says, that you have all things by the pattern that I have commanded you. And he was speaking to him about building the tabernacle. That the tabernacle must be built according to the pattern that God commanded him. Now we must understand that in man being like God, God, man, man, God is a triune God. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Man is, a tri- is tripartite. Man is spirit. That's what man is. 
Man is not body. Man is not accountant. Not man is not what he does. He is spirit. He has a soul which resides in a body. So God gives Moses a pattern of building the tabernacle. And lo and behold, the tabernacle has an outer court, as Pastor Bonnie taught us, an inner court, and an holy of holies. Why is that? Is that, is that just by coincidence? Oh, is that a shadow of something? Is that a shadow of something? So, put that graphic up. Oh man, that is small. So, man has an outer court. Well, the tabernacle had an outer court. And in the outer court, that's like the body of man. It had the brazen altar. And as Pastor Bonnie taught us that we needed to enter, you need to enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's the first thing you do. You do it with, you enter with, you enter with thanksgiving. At that brazen altar, that's where in the, in the old covenant, the sacrifices took place. The, we would confess our sins. So the sacrifices took place, the, the blood of bulls and goats to make atonement for sin. So cleansing would take place of this sinful nature, sinful body. And that will lead us into the inner court, likened to the soul of man. In the inner court, there's a table of the showbread. There was the lampstand. The lampstand represented light. The table of the showbread, the word. Jesus says that I'm the bread of life. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And the essence, incense, which represents our prayers, our intercession unto God. Then, and you see, this is the inner being, the mind, will, and emotion. For man, the mind, will, and the emotion. As a man thinketh, so is he. But that leads us somewhere into the Holy of Holies through the veil where we may see him as he is. The Bible says that God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We must leave the flesh behind. It must be dead. The mind must be renewed to be like God. This is where sanctification takes place. That's what's renewed. It's a process. Yeah. 
and leads us into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is and the mercy seat. In the Holy of Holies, you don't do the talking. In the Holy of Holies is where you are led. Those that are led of the Spirit are the true sons of God. In the Holy of Holies, you hear Him. So, in Adam, the Old Testament pattern shows us what we're delivered from in Adam. These things. And it leads us into the New Testament pattern in Christ. In Christ, we have another table where your body, sin, is justified. Christ, in Christ, it Christ makes us, his blood makes us. That first, that brazen altar, Christ on the cross, his blood is the remission of sin. It's just like you had not sinned. He justifies us. When you're in Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ, when you get born again, it's just like you have not sinned. In that place, that's what Romans 6 says, your flesh is dead. You're crucified with Christ because Christ on the cross was crucified and became the atonement, the full price for our sins. So we are crucified with Christ. And when we're crucified with Christ, we're justified. It is just like we did not sin. The flesh is redeemed. The sin nature of man, God is redeeming him back to his original purpose. Now, as Pastor Tom was speaking about, the inner, in Christ, we move from justification to the process of sanctification. The process of sanctification is the Bible says that the entrance of his word brings forth light. Jesus says that he is the light that darkness cannot comprehend. So the process of sanctification is driving darkness light out as the light of the word comes into our lives. The table of showbread is the renewal of our mind by the word. Because the Bible says that we are no longer conformed to this world, but we are now he transformed, sanctified. It's a process where we are, our mind, we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. Why? So that we may know what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Why? To lead us to the last thing. The last thing is, when we pray, in the instance, the place of prayer and intercession, it is not just babbling. It is like it was with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. No matter how hard pressed I am, there are cups that we want us to pass over. But we say in that place, yet not my will be done. I am being transformed. I have been sanctified. I have been redeemed. But your will be done. That is a, a, a total transformation where we have exchanged the mind of man, the carnal mind, 
and have been the transformation, the sanctification process, the word in our lives, the light has brought about the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ leads us to the most beautiful, beautiful place. The most beautiful, because now we, 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 the, the priest has, has gone through cleansing on the outer court. His flesh is crucified with Christ, dead in the flesh. His mind has been renewed to think like Christ. He has the mind of Christ. The priest can now step into the holy of holies. He's no longer himself. Do you know why he can step in? Do you know why he can step in? It is no longer Tazarurwa. It is Tazarurwa hidden in Christ. What gives me the confidence and the boldness to step in, to, the, to boldly come before the throne of grace, boldly come before the mercy seat, is before God, what God sees is not me. He sees Christ in me. He sees not my will. He sees the will of his son in me. Because in that place is where we are one in spirit. Jesus prayed that, I pray that they be one as we are one. That we may, they may have the glory that we had in the beginning. In that place, we, are, we have the fruit of the spirit. Put that, put that thing up. When we're in Christ, we have the fruit of the Spirit. The priest had pomegranates and bells on his robe. And, and, and if he went in and the bells carried on ringing, it meant the priest was still alive. That meant the high priest in the Old Testament, the high priest was pure. He had renounced all his sins. The high priest was in perfect unity with God and was qualified to sacrifice, make atonement for the sins of the nation. In that place, we are doing God's business on behalf of the nations. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are one with him. We have the mind of Christ. In that place, we have the fruit of the Spirit and we have fruitfulness. In that place, we are Christ-like. We have the character and the nature of God. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is, a, that, that, that is just amazing that God would give us this pattern to lead us to this truth in Christ, to this high place that is calling us to. So Pastor Tom said in the word of the year this year, if you can put the word of the year, he said this year, God is establishing houses that he himself will give the blueprint. These will be houses of prayer, houses in heaven and houses here on earth. Any house that God establishes as an altar. Any house, the old, 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 Testament pattern, it led you to the altar, right through to the Holy of Holies. From the outer to the inner to the, they all had altars. It had an altar to the altar where, which housed the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. 
So any house that God establishes as an altar. And it led us to the ultimate house in Christ. And in the new covenant, the altar is the cross. That is the altar he led us to. The cross. So you and I must receive Christ at the cross. And any altar has two things. An altar has a priest and an altar has an offering. Those are the things an altar has. For the functionality of the altar, the altar has got to have a priest and it's got to have an offering. Those two things bring us to the most important thing of the altar, the deity, the owner of the altar. That's the third thing, God himself. So when Pastor Tom says he's establishing houses, God is establishing altars. You are an altar. But an altar has got to have a priest. It has got to have an offering. And the altar gives the deity access. It's an access point to the earth. So God accesses the earth through his houses which have altars. So when the priest presents himself at the altar and he gives a sacrifice, the Bible says that he accepts this. When he accepts the sacrifice, God meets with you at the altar. Was that way with Abel? You accepted his offering. He met with him. Was that way with Abraham? Any right through the when the when the the the, the, the sacrifice is accepted, God meets with us. Now in the New Testament, this leads us right to the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ Himself, who was pleasing before God, and God accepted Him, and you are now hidden in Him and accepted Him, and that gives God access point. You see. God does not violate his own authority. He chose to work on earth through man. So to work on earth through, he comes by the way of permission. When man gives him an access point through a house that has an altar that's raised up to him, a house that has a priest, a house that has raised up an acceptable offering, God can then intervene in the matters of man. Because he says, even though God had authority, in heaven, he chose in Psalms 115 verse 16, he chose to give authority on earth to man. So he will not violate his own word. He will need a man. This is so critical to God that Jesus had to come as the son of man. For him to establish an altar, to have an access point to redeem and restore man unto him. At the altar of the cross. So who are you to think you are a house of the Lord and you do not have an altar? Who are you to think that you are a house of the Lord and you do not respect altars? You have no relationship with altars. I'm telling you, the things that are ruling your life are the altars that have been raised because you're either in Christ or you're in Adam. You're in the father of darkness, the father of light. 
Now, every child of God is an altar. Every child of, it's a, every child of God is a moving altar. Why? Because the Bible says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which was given to you by God. You are not your own. You're bought at a price. Don't you know that these bodies are members of Christ? This is God's house. So if this is God's house, there's an altar right here. I am a moving altar. Everyone outside of that altar is in the altar of the Father of lights. And their mission is the kingdom of darkness. There is no in between. Daniel was a moving altar. Because he was a house of the Lord. He brought God's house. The Bible says that when, 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 when the king instructed that there will be no prayer, he says, Daniel prayed three times a day, as was his custom. He prayed three times and he did not cease praying. And he says he went into the upper room and he locked himself up in the upper room and he prayed. Looked to the east and he prayed. So that meant in his house, Daniel had an altar. Do you have an altar in your house? Where is the priest in your home? Daniel had an altar at work. In Daniel chapter 2, the Bible says that the king gave a decree after the magicians and the wise men in, in Babylon could not translate his, uh, 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 interpret his dream. He says, go and kill them all. When the guy comes to kill Daniel and his friends, the Bible says that Daniel said, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait. I'm a moving altar. I'm a moving house. What did the king say? Let me have audience with the king. He went to the king and he said, oh, king, Nebuchadnezzar, would you give me time and I'll come back and interpret your dream? That, all he's saying is, would you give me time in my marketplace ministry to go to my altar and encounter my God and I'll come back with an answer. So in the marketplace, in that workplace, Daniel had an altar. Who are you to think you're God's house at work and you don't have an altar? The kings of this world want to take you out in that place. The Bible then says Daniel went back to his house. House? Go and read. House? What? Where the house of the Lord is, there's an altar. And he consulted with his friends. He says, let's seek the face of the Lord. Let's go into the holy of holies. Let's be one with God. Let's go to the understanding. That is above the understanding of man. Who? I'm a moving house. I'm a moving altar. Moving. Because the house of God is resident right here. So we understand that this is God's priority and this is God's for, call for us as his children. God's very clear that in Psalms 20 when David was pursued by Saul and the enemies and his enemies were encampering around him, he says, oh God of Jacob, 
send me help from the sanctuary. Accept my burnt offerings. Hear my pleas. Psalm 73, David, the same man, laments. He says, when I was a senseless beast, when he was pursued by man and he acted like a crazy man, where did he go? House of the Lord. He says, when I'm a senseless beast, brute beast, foolishness, where do I go for understanding? I go to the house of the Lord. Then I know that in the house of the Lord, I know the destiny of the wicked. Why? Because in the house of the Lord, you have the house on your behalf. In the sanctuary, you have the house fighting for you. It's like if you're a foreign national in a different land, if you want immunity from persecution, you go and hide in your embassy. When you go into your embassy, they cannot get you there. So when we come here to church, to the house of the Lord, we're going to embassy. We're going to the ambassador. Jesus says he is the head of the church. I'm coming here to get senselessness out so that I'm not a brute beast, so I'm not wild. So I may have understanding, so I may know the destiny of the wicked. So I may have strategy to overcome the wickedness I face. David went into the house of the Lord and he ate the showbread. The Israelites were saying, you don't touch the showbread, it's only for priests. But the uh, one who knows he's a priest will eat the showbread because he knows he doesn't live by bread alone, but he lives by the word of God. He knows that this is what sustains me. He ate it and he lived. David had revelation way ahead of his time. But if you don't see yourself as a priest, you won't eat. You won't go there. David sought refuge. He sought strength in the house of the Lord. So when we come here, we're seeking refuge and strength. We have the house on our behalf. We are coming to embassy. We are coming where we're immunity. We are in this world, but in here we are not of it. So when the altar is open here, don't, don't stay in your seat. Don't stay. This is God, in the house of God. This is God's altar. A lot of us act like the children of Israel. I'll stay there. I can't, because you are not a priest. But if you see yourself as a royal priesthood, as God's people, you come to the altar confidently, knowing that you will obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. I look to the hills from where my, does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I'm shocked most times when the altar is open. Pastor Tom opens the altar, we stay in our seats. You're not priests. You're not priests. You, you don't need any help. You don't need the house fighting for you. Because this is the grace when we gather corporately. You have the grace of immunity. You have the grace of the help of the sanctuary. That's what you have right here. Because you have the grace that Daniel had when he said, let me go to my friends. Because one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. This is when we have, this is corporate battle. There's stuff that you fight with individually. That's for your house at home. You go and uh, uh, do business with God in private for, uh, private for public victory. But for corporate battles, you come to corporate setting. So you may, because the promise here is I'll give you the nations as an inheritance. 
So if we're, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, if we're going to do as Christ did, this is our setting. This is our setting for mandate. Because you see, what goes in to the sanctuary is not as important as what comes out. What goes into the house of the Lord is not as important as what comes out. Because you went into the house of the Lord carnal with sin. You're washed at the, at the brazen altar. You went in with, with, with the mentality that was worldly. Your mind was renewed in the inner court. And when you got to the Holy of Holies, you were in Christ. And the understanding that you now have is His. So when you come out, you come out with the mind of Christ. You have victory for your battles. Didn't, didn't Jesus say it's not what comes out of a man? It's not what goes into a man that defiles. That's the principle. It's what comes out. When the goodness of God, make the tree good and it shall be good. Transformation takes place inside working outward. Problem is most of us are focused on the outward. We lose sight of God transforming us from the inward. So today, for those of you online, it's either you are in Adam, who God chose to deliver us from, or you are in Christ. In Christ, there's hope for glory. There's hope for unity with God. So if you're watching today online and you're not born again there, numbers on the screen, that you can call and you say, I want to come into Christ. I want to accept and come to the altar that God offered at Calvary, at the cross. I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want the life of Christ operating within me. And someone will pray with you and lead you to Christ. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.